0: So I remember vividly a phone call. Actually, it was two phone calls, the first of which was a phone call from some higher up in the Methodist church in Southern California, and he said to me, he goes, Brian, I am so excited. We found a church for you. And at this time, I was serving in a church in North Carolina. I was downtown Chapel Hill. We had floated around the idea of moving to the West Coast because my wife's family was from there, and we were just tired of traveling to Minnesota and to Southern California. And I just wanted to be around home, and so I thought, yes, we're going to go to Southern California to be near family as he speaks those words to me. And then he goes, but we're overshooting you. You won't be going to California. In fact, we have a church for you in Hawaii. And you have a day to decide. (laughs) And there I was at six o'clock in the morning trying to figure out what was I going to do. And you know, Ashley, my wife, was sleeping and there I was anxious and not knowing. And I, I wake up Ashley wakes up and I go, and it happened to be April 1st, by the way, and I go, Ashley, do you want to move to Hawaii? And she goes, yeah, of course. But I know it's April Fool's Day. You can't trick me. And I go, no, but really, do you want to move to Hawaii? And it didn't take her very long. It took me a little bit longer to decide, yes, to go to Hawaii. And then all of the excitement, right, starts to flow. You know, uh, dreams of my laptop open on the beach and just kind of the beauty of Hawaii at all times and all places. And I'm excited, and I'm ready to go. And then another phone call rang. And it was the phone call of my superintendent, my higher up in North Carolina, and said, we got the most interesting phone call from someone in California, and they said that you would like to go to Hawaii. And there I had to tell them, yes, this was in fact the case, and I wanted to move conferences. And all of a sudden from up here, I sink down here and start getting anxious in that moment, right? You know that feeling where, like, the excitement and everything you're looking forward to is, like, really good. And then I'm like, well, what about health insurance? What about the move? Like, how are we going to do this? What are we going to do with our kids, our dog? All these things, all these emotions start flowing through us, and perhaps you're more like my wife who was just like excited and ready to go every day, but the reality is is most of us when we get that exciting news, right, it comes down a little bit and the practicalities of life. I wonder what that phone call was for you Or perhaps it was a letter. Perhaps it was, you know, one of your higher ups within the armed forces. Or perhaps it was going off to school. If you had grown up uh, here in Hawaii, and then you got a letter from University of Seattle, or wherever you find yourself, and you go, you see, I'm so excited. And then you think to myself, but my whole life is about to change. And you think to yourself, what about my friends? What about my family? What about my finances? What about my job? What about the home I've built here, right? What about the home? And so I, I say all of that to you because this is exactly where we find ourselves within the scripture, right? As an angel shows up to Mary and, and says to Mary, Mary, you will have a son, And she thinks to herself, but I'm engaged to to Joseph. I'm engaged to be married. This isn't supposed to happen. And she says, I don't know. And then she believes and she explains with joy. And we don't know a lot about the story of Mother Mary. Luke gives us the most in the depiction. All we know is that there Mary was from the time with the angel where she's told she'll have a baby to making a journey to her cousin's house, Elizabeth staying there for three months. And I can't help but imagine, just for a moment, that Mary came down from that high with the angel for a minute, right? Mary came down from exclaiming excitement and joy to the practicalities of a woman out of wedlock having a baby of which she was going to try to convince all of the, you know, priests and the parents and her fiancé that this happened miraculously, (laughs) that it was God's own son. I mean, think about that just for a minute, what that would have been like. You could lose your fiancé, your family could disown you, and you could never find a seat within the inner sanctums of the temple. Relegated to outcasts, women already had difficulty enough making their way in society, let alone Mother Mary. Like Hagar from old, going from bush to mountain, hoping just to feed her baby. It must have been a narrative that Mary had in her head as she journeyed away from home to her cousin's house. What if? What will they say? What are they going to do to me? And then she arrives at her cousin's house. And something about that interchange takes place that all of a sudden, I imagine, just follow my reading of this, she went from the practicalities and the anxiety that surely was overwhelming her to a song of joy that's remembered throughout millennia. And Elizabeth responds to Mary when she comes and welcomes and greet her, greets her and sings joy and praise and the baby in her belly leaps and she finds a home, finds a place where she can rest, where she can gather herself, prepare herself for the journey that was, to, she was about to embark on. A journey with lots of unknowns, with the adventure of leaving the home you knew, and taking risks along the way. Mary was longing for home, I think. A refuge, a sanctuary. And that is our sermon series this Advent, Close to Home. We live in a peculiar time, don't we? I look out amongst those of you that I know and I can think the majority of which have spent significant time off this island, either for college or perhaps for most of your life and finding yourself here. I know many of you have stories like my own where you've spent time living abroad, you've moved around a different locale, you've experienced cultures, You've searched for that place, home, or perhaps made it many a time. And so I know that this is not unfamiliar to each of you. This idea of longing for that comfort and that peace. In fact, this is a a theme throughout all of the Bible, I would say. Longing for home. You have Abram and Sarai who get called and chosen by God and then, and then are called to leave the land they know to the promised land that God will guide them to. And then God's people wander in the wilderness, searching for home. A place to call home, that is. You have the Babylonian exile, and then you also have, when they come back, a brief period of time until the Greeks come in and take over their home, and they're longing for a home of their own. And what we best know about the history of Jesus being born, probably about four years from the actual time that we had thought, it's around the time when King Herod had died, and leaving this vacuum of power. And so the Jews try to make their home happen. And so they revolt, and they try to get their energy, but then that, of course, came with what? The Roman Empire's heavy hammer, reminding them of the place that they ought to find themselves in. Heavy taxations, going without food, all of this in the realm of the world of Mother Mary, the Mother of God. Theotokos, we call her, the God bearer. And I'm not sure about you, but in the midst of my anxiety, even when I land and my boxes are all in my room of the house, finally, after the journey that was ahead of us, I do not proclaim the Gloria and the songs of Mary. Of this faithful woman of God who sings praises amidst the uncertainty and the chaos. And I can't help but think it's because she found that sanctuary, that home with Elizabeth. Because... We live in this time period when people live all over the world and you've moved all over the place, and yet those of us who have done this know that home is not the place, is it? It's not the building, what we've learned over COVID, especially as a church family. But home exists within the love that we share. The love that we share with a loved one or a family or friends, that home exists in the faithful and steadfast love of one another. And so then there, Mary was with Elizabeth and experienced the love that created a space for her, a space for her to thrive and to grow. One of my first homes that I found here in Hawaii was amidst my office administrator at the time. I walked into uncertainty, and I walked into the unknown. I walked into a senior pastor role in Hawaii Kai, not knowing what I was supposed to be doing. And there, my office admin greeted me with aloha, and her family did the same. And even though our house was being renovated, and even though the boxes hadn't come, and even though all of the anxieties, there was something about the friendly smile that she gave each day I went into the office that allowed me a sense of sanctuary and peace. Who was that for you amidst your journey that you had in your life? That moment of anxiety, right? Whether it was college or a big move, who was it that gave you that peace? That let you experience a sense of love and aloha that allowed you to be free to be yourself just a bit more. And what did they do to help foster that space? And what did they do to help foster that space? Because when we talk about lighting the candle of love, it's not just about hoping for this to happen. It's about the people that took intentional steps to create the love and the space for you to thrive. Certainly, I know one of the things is a smile and a welcome and a hospitality of excitement that you are amongst us, right? Greeting someone with a lei as we do here in Hawaii, welcoming them with a handshake, a hug, letting them know we're excited you're here. But that's not enough. I think one of the other components that is essential to creating a space of love and hospitality is one that we often try to kind of leave at the door when we enter a new home, and that's one of vulnerability. There was nothing non-vulnerable about Mary as she entered the house of Zechariah and Elizabeth. She was there likely because she felt at most risk for her life that she ever had been, not knowing what was going to happen. And, you know, when we walk into a door, whether it's a new face, a new whatever, we like to pretend that all of life is perfect, right? We got it all figured out. There's no sadness. In fact, I'll be whoever you want me to be just so you'll like me. Just so I can find a first friend. And I remember the time when I was in college I had moved from Minnesota to Southern California, and I had begun to search for, you know, "home, there, to find my friends. And it's the advice I give any student going off to college because I found myself in a moment while I was hanging out with the first group of people that I had connected to. You know how it is if you've been to college. You go off to college and for whatever reason, whether it's orientation or intramural sport or whatever it was that got you connected to that first group of friends, and you start hanging out and being with them. And as I was doing it, I started realizing that I just didn't feel myself with them. I don't know why, it just whatever it was, I felt like I had to compete for attention, compete for their like, liking me, whatever it was, it just didn't feel good and I made a decision in that moment, I'm gonna find some different friends, some friends that allow me to be me. If any of you have ever had a conversation with my wife, you know that she is an expert in this. And you know one of the ways that she allows you to be you within a conversation She doesn't pretend to be perfect as the host. In fact, she'll be the first one to tell you about her stress or her anxiety or how hard a situation had been for her or that, you know, she hasn't gotten the Christmas cards out or whatever it is that makes you feel welcome. It's not through her having the house perfect, having her life perfect, having everything perfect, but she communicates hospitality through vulnerability with someone through sharing a weakness, and it becomes a space for another to be. It becomes a space for another to be. And so as we're moving throughout the holiday season, and Christmas is like five days away, right? And it is coming, it's not quite five, but you know what I mean, it feels like it's tomorrow. It's so easy to just kind of get in the motion How are we creating a space for sanctuary for those that are looking for it? And perhaps it's not by having the best gift on the block for all of your friends and family. Perhaps it's not having all the gifts under your tree neatly packaged and bowed. Perhaps it's just creating a space for another To sing a song. And it might be a song of pain, but it might be a song of joy. But either way, you'll create a home for that loved one, that friend. To celebrate with them, to be excited about their excitements, to commiserate with their losses, to be vulnerable with those around us to allow them the space to be vulnerable as well. I imagine if we did that throughout the next week, we might find more of the love of Christ, that candle of love that we lit present among us. And lastly, I'll leave you with this. And I know it's not just me as a pastor planning for Christmas Eve. None of the love, none of the celebration of other, none of the joy, the commiserating, anything that we mentioned will happen unless you do this this week. We're in a season of busyness, and of life going nonstop and feeling the urgency, unless you stop. Because this is the last thing. You must learn to accept yourself before you can create the space for your love for your loved one, your friend, your neighbor. If you feel not at peace with decisions, with whatever life has handed you right now, you will not be able to create that space. And if you're busy moving from one thing to the next thing to the next thing, you will not be able to create that space because you won't even stop to think what your mind is thinking about in that moment because you'll just be stressed. So breathe. Take a moment Accept where you are and then open the door of love for someone to find a home. Because I know, I know there are people in your life, in your orbit, longing for home. There are people in this room longing for home. Create that space this week that the light of Christ will shine in the darkness. I invite you to pray with me. Holy and gracious God, in the darkness of night when the fog has come and it's dreary and we're uncertain of what happen next. We come off the mountaintop of excitement, faced with the practicalities, and we long for a home. Help us remember that we will not find it in a place or in things or in the presence but in the midst of those relationships, the aloha we share, the vulnerability and the space for others to be vulnerable, to know they are loved as they are. Help us foster those spaces. And as we look upon the week and the coming of your son and the celebrations ahead, we reflect on the song, Lo, how a rose are blooming. That we know in the distance, the hope, peace, joy, and love, the candles of the advent wreath that we have lit are coming. In fact, we know that they came 2,000 years ago, and we know that they will come again. And so although we may not be able to sing the song of joy and of glory that Mary sang, we see the rose blooming.